Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Better than this, it's a guy being a dude here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Kyle Krabs, at Grinding the Tape on Twitter, and I'm your solo host today. Joe's magnificent honeymoon continues. We're going to continue to pretend like we miss him, even though I do miss Mr. Marino very, very dearly, but uh, no worries. We're back from takes on takes yesterday. We're going to pick up where we left off. And we're going to discuss uh, the other two teams in the AFC South today and their 2019 draft classes, how I felt they did, where I thought they missed their mark, where I thought they were good. Uh, The teams today, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Some interesting dynamics here. Um, Let's dig right in, shall we? We'll talk about the Jaguars first and... uh, I think when you look at the the picks that the Jaguars made, particularly with their first two selections, Jaguars fans have a lot to be excited about. This is a team that pretty consistently does this double dip thing. Um, it, back in 2016, the Jaguars drafted Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. Both of those guys, for me, were top players in the draft class. Uh, This year, the Jaguars drafting Josh Allen, my number eight overall player at number seven, and Jawan Taylor, my number six player at 35, gives them another really, really attractive pairing of of prospects. Uh, 2017, Jaguars drafted Leonard Fournette, who I had in my top 20, and then at 34, drafted Cam Robinson, who I had in my top 15. So... The Jaguars, in each of the last, or in three of of the last four draft classes, have consistently come away with two players that were top 20 prospects for me. And they've done it again this year as two top 10 prospects. They did the same thing in 2016 with Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack. Uh, So as far as the picks, the fits, am I surprised they went Josh Allen at seven? Yeah, probably a little bit. But Yannick Ngakwe is coming into a contract year, and the dude's going to get paid. So the Jaguars, you know, if they're thinking forward and they're looking at their their depth chart in general, and they want to make sure they're prepared for whatever personnel changes they will have to incur, uh, they continue to have one of the deepest front sevens in all of football. Now, this team right now still, Yannick Ngakwe, R.B. Jones, Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell with Taven Bryan, last year's first-round pick, uh, lying in wait 
Then Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, and Josh Allen at the front seven. Like, dear Lord. What an upgrade Josh Allen over Leon Jacobs is, who wasn't a bad pick for a seventh rounder last year. That linebacker group is phenomenal. And then you put A.J. Bouye and and Jalen Ramsey on top of that. And last year's third-round pick at Ronnie Harrison, Jaguars got some players on defense, man, and they're going to need them. Because this is a division that's trending the right direction. A lot of offensive developments coming in this division. So uh, I I think the Jaguars have set themselves up pretty favorably here. Uh, If they lose Ngakwe, whether they want to take Taven Bryan and put him at defensive end, they want to give Josh Allen some of those reps, or they want to keep him at the Sam, whatever you want to do. You have flexibility now because they've gone out and they've, they've made a selection of a, relatively speaking, best player available. Uh, I did have Jawan Taylor rated just a spot or two above Josh Allen, but you know this is a top 10 player in the class that you got with a top 10 pick in the class. That's appropriate. Jawan Taylor, man, at, at 35. Really love the potential duo here of now Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor. Where this hurts me and hurts my brain is I liked Will Richardson a lot, and he was primed to be the right tackle. But no matter what direction they choose to go, they're going to have a guy that I I was really high on, and Cam Robinson was another guy that I was really high on as well. So size, length, athleticism, those things exist for the Jaguars at offensive tackle. And I'm really excited about their potential in the ground game and what what they can do in the ground game now. Uh, Nick Foles obviously coming over as a free agent quarterback signing there. Uh, I think his receivers do a pretty good job of meshing with with Foles and his strengths and weaknesses. Um, I do think the offensive identity of the Jaguars is going to continue to be to run the run the football. They're not going to be a team that oh, empties the backfield and spreads you out and tries to do a lot of spread concepts. Uh, I would have loved to have seen the Jaguars get somebody a little bit more pro-ready at the tight end position. They drafted Josh Oliver with the 69th overall pick. Uh, if you get Jay Sternberger or Cahel Waring, uh, I'd be doing backflips over these first three picks for the Jaguars. Josh Oliver, for me, uh, I will make the acknowledgement that he's an exciting athlete. He's got exciting receiving potential. But how soon can you get that return on that investment for Josh Oliver? I don't know. I have a, I have a difficult time uh, getting excited about the prospect of using a top 75 pick on Josh Oliver, the player, just because I think uh, you see tight ends, especially guys that are predominantly spaced tight ends that I don't think give you a lot of anything at all uh, with their hand in the dirt. And they really struggle with that transition. And for a team like the Jaguars, who does so many power running concepts, I think their tight ends are going to need to be a little bit more comfortable than what Josh Oliver is putting his hand in the dirt. So long-term investment, and that's fine. But you just got Nick Foles. So like you're kind of looking to win like right now. And uh, I'm not totally certain that Oliver is going to be a useful pick in 2019 or 2020. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. 
Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling Grundle Bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. Uh, the other third round pick that they made was a little bit of a surprise uh, going with Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams' brother from Murray State, linebacker. Uh, there were only a handful of players in this year's draft class that I did not evaluate fully beforehand. Quincy Williams was one of them. Uh, this was kind of a weird linebacker group. They clearly coveted him by preventing him from getting into day three of the draft, so they prioritized him, made him a top 100 pick. And I hate, there is nothing I hate more than a cat meowing in the background for starters, but also a player that goes in the top 100 that I didn't evaluate. Uh, but that is... The magic of the draft, right, is that Quincy Williams had no buzz at all. Nobody was talking about Quincy Williams. And then, lo and behold, top 100 pick. Did I think they could have got some other linebackers? Yeah, sure, I do. Uh, Here's the linebackers who went uh, in order. Devin White, Devin Bush, both top 10. Jelani Tavai at 43. Nobody else until Jermaine Pratt at 72. Taki Taki to Cleveland at 80, Cody Barton at 88, Bobby Okariki at 89, and then Quincy Williams. Uh, Drew Tranquil went at 130. Ben Burkerman and Ryan Connolly, 142-143. Voshan Joseph, 147. Mack Wilson, 155. Blake Cashman, 157. Those are guys that, you know, I've watched and the, the level of competition that they've played at I feel like you could have made a case for a fringe top 100 pick like we got in Quincy Williams at 98 but again uh, this kind of comes down to preference and the Jaguars clearly preferred uh, what they could get and what they saw in Quincy Williams so time will tell how this plays out would not have been my preferred look for a top 100 pick. The rest of their draft class, we work our way through. Uh, Ryquel Armstead, Garner Minshew, Dontavious Russell. That's it. 
They got a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. I think Armstead's an interesting add. Uh, I think he can bring something to the table for you. Um, similar running style to Leonard Fournette, so they, the Jaguars do have that working for them as well. I think that's one area that the Jaguars have kind of handcuffed themselves in years past is once Fournette goes down with injury, which he seemingly does at some point in every season, uh, they, they don't have a similar style back to thrive in the same rushing concepts. So I like the ad of Reichwell Armstead in that regard. Shifting gears to the Tennessee Titans. Man, I like what the Tennessee Titans did this year. Uh, their full draft class, Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, Amani Hooker, DeAndre Walker, and David Long. Let's talk about these top four picks. Simmons had him as a top 40 player on my board. Obviously, the injury didn't help. Obviously, the off-the-field issue didn't help. Didn't prevent him from going top 20. Jeffrey Simmons is extremely disruptive. He was 36th on my board. I think it's a good value, even at 19, even though I had him at 36. When you take into consideration the Titans, how they like their defensive linemen to play, uh, the the stout presence that they like them to have, that you Simmons is going to give you a lot of production once he's back and fully healthy. AJ Brown took him 51st. I had him 46th on my board. Nate Davis, they took him 82nd. I had him 70th on my board. Amani Hooker, they took him 116. I had him 33. Great value with these first four picks for the Tennessee Titans. Really like. The physicality of all these guys, Jeffrey Simmons obviously being a stout guy playing along the line of scrimmage. A.J. Brown as a big slot guy. You know, you think about the Titans and, and they have Corey Davis as their ex and they're, they're, they're kind of their alpha guy. The team just signed Adam Humphreys and has Taewon Taylor. I think Taewon as a, a true Z, a guy that's got some vertical concepts to his game can be helpful. A.J. Brown, he's going to split reps with Humphreys, I think, in the slot. You can play A.J. outside, and he'd be okay. But, man, you put A.J. Brown as the the slot receiver here, and you walk away with Corey Davis on the outside, A.J. Brown in the slot, Adam Humphreys on the other side, Delaney Walker. Uh, I like this group. This is a good group of receivers, and A.J. Brown and the physicality that he's going to bring in the middle of the field I think is an extension of what you get with Janu Smith and Delaney Walker as the tight ends that the Titans use a ton of. The Titans love to use the tight ends. Um, Delaney obviously getting hurt last year coming back. I think A.J. Brown could kind of help soften uh, his recovery window. Nate Davis is going to play offensive guard for them. I, uh, they signed Roger Saffold to play left guard. So now across the front, if you want to project Nate Davis to take and earn a starting role, you've got Lawan Saffold, Ben Jones at center, Nate Davis, and Jack Conklin. They did not renew Jack Conklin's uh, team option for 2020, so he's in a contract year. But Nate Davis in an outside zone rushing offense with – a power back like Derrick Henry, who does have rare athleticism to get outside in stretch concepts. Nate Davis's athleticism and ability in the run game is really exciting. You think about they, they had Quentin Spain in that spot entering last year. They're looking for more athleticism without having to compromise a lot of physicality up front. They did that by adding Nate Davis. 
This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And then Amani Hooker. Listen, this is a pretty diverse group of safeties between Bayard, Crookshank, Ficaro, and Hooker. You got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. So they've got depth and versatility on the back end to go with some budding corners. Dory Jackson, first round pick from 2017. Malcolm Butler's there. Logan Ryan's there. So the Titans are quietly like, if you can just get Marcus Mariota to play one season to his full potential. The Titans can be really good. can be a really good football team. Um, Listen, even DeAndre Walker, they took him 168. I had him 141. David Long from West Virginia, they took him 188. I had him 134. So the Titans are one of those teams that, like, they get appropriate value for every single pick across the board. I can look at the Jaguars and say, hey, Jaguars got two of my top 10 players, but then they also took Josh Oliver at 69 and Quincy Williams, a player that I didn't evaluate, with third-round picks. I know top to bottom this Titans draft class has football players that I like a lot, and I think that is kind of a – I don't want to say something that's taken for granted, but like – Going top to bottom and getting appropriate or plus value for each and every one of your picks, that shouldn't be slept on. That's a real accomplishment. That's a real testament to the draft class uh, that the Titans were able to put together. So as I look through this division, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, and Titans, if I were to rank these teams and their draft classes in order, of how much I liked them. What I have done this year, I mentioned this at one point briefly, is I have collected uh, scores for each of the picks relative to uh, my personal evaluations of the players. And the way that that works mathematically is, depending on where you're picking, you're assigned a point value right based on the trade value chart and then the actual pick itself based on the trade value chart has a value as well so um i'm looking to score versus your tier of a player versus your actual pick selection where that trade value chart like if you're measuring each of the picks according to the trade value chart of where they were picked versus where i had them ranked How did these draft classes turn out? 
how do they score one versus the next? And as I, I've put this together for this division, I have like a numerical output number that tells me and dictates uh, where I felt the teams fell as far as value. Uh, I am going to break my own rules here a little bit because there's some context here. I look at the Houston Texans, and they got a great value pick in Charles Menehue in the fifth round. They took him at 161. I had him 47th on the board. Uh, that kind of helped save their overall score of their draft class. But generally speaking, this was the worst draft class of the group. Um, I look at... Titus Howard, Lonnie Johnson, Max Sharping as your top three players. Uh, they got minimal return for those players. So Texans would be the team that I would rank last out of this division. I would probably then put the Colts at third. I like the Colts class a lot. I just got done heaping a lot of praise in the Colts direction uh, yesterday, and they actually added draft capital for 2020. So that can't be ignored either. They added a second-round pick for next year. But when you've got two teams in Jacksonville getting two top 10 players and the Titans, who went wire to wire and and took plus value at every position on the board, um, I wasn't super high on Rocky Sin. I wasn't crazy high on Paris Campbell. I had him 64th. They took him 59th. So appropriate value. And then Bobby Okariki, I had him 123rd. They took him 89th. So there's no egregious picks here. But versus my own personal assessments, the Rocky Sin pick stands out. I had him 74th on my board versus 34th. Uh, If you're curious as to why, uh, Monday's show, I talk about that draft class and and why I had the impressions I had with them. So ranking this draft class in the division, I would go Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville getting two top 10 players, but then making some mistakes, in my opinion, on day two. And then the Tennessee Titans going wire to wire uh, and taking plus value across the board. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Draft Dudes. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to crack open a new division. I think I'm going to swing over to the NFC and start one of those. I got two more shows this week by myself. I'll get one more division in, and then Joe will be back. And we'll continue to work through the rest of these divisions, taking the entire month of May, being thorough as possible, talking about all the picks, talking about why we feel the way we do about the classes, why we score them the way that we do. Kyle Krabs at Grind and Tape. Thanks, as always, for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.